welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is at C. Taline, and we're doing something a little bit different tonight. If you will remember, a few podcasts ago, we were talking about fan fiction, and we highlighted the work of Desdemona Wren. And I promised you listeners that we would have her on when her book was released. Well, her book has been released, and hey, she is here. Hey, Desdemona. Hi. How are you, honey? I'm great. My book's been out for like 13 days. It's been, it's been fun. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. If for some reason, listeners, you missed our podcast about fan fiction, first of all, you should go back and listen to it. But um, the lady, Southern Cynic, Akira and I had talked about, you know, we had talked about fan fiction in the past and we went out to look for fan fiction. And yours, Desmona, was just such quality in your writing and everything that it just stuck out to us. And that is why we chose it. And you were nice enough to let us highlight it. And you were nice enough to um, send us a recording of you reading it. So was that the first time you've um, read your own work for a podcast? Uh, Yeah, actually. I've never had to read my work out loud before. Well, I mean, unless I'm editing it, but I've never read it out loud for other people to listen. We liked it. We liked hearing you read it. Yeah, mostly I was kind of like low-key embarrassed. I mean, technically I have read my other work before on my own podcast, but it's like (laughs) my podcast is bad fic. So I read a really old bad fan fiction that I wrote. So that doesn't count. um well, I had a chance to listen to one of your bad thick podcasts, and um, and aren't you also drunk as well or drinking? Uh, it depends because like later we stop drinking, and now because we live in California, we actually smoke weed and do it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was hilarious, and listeners, if you haven't um, checked it out, you should check it out. Um, but let's talk about Mr. Robot first. How long have you been a fan? Were you a fan right away? Did it take some time? I think it was about four episodes into the first season. My boyfriend's coworker was like, hey, you need to watch the show. And we're like, what is Mr. Robot? And then we immediately fell in love with it because my boyfriend is a software engineer. And he's like, all of this is completely correct. He's obsessed with that show. You know, it is so, that is, you're really lucky to have like a software engineer to explain things to you. You know, the the ladies and I, we probably have a rudimentary understanding of technology. So a lot of times when we're seeing stuff on the show, we might, you know, go out and look on the internet or something. But it's really cool that your boyfriend is like watching it and knowing exactly what's happening. So does, is he like explaining things to you during the show or is it just like, be quiet and let's watch the show? Uh, generally he doesn't have to explain stuff because I also have a background in software engineering. So, well, I mostly do web stuff, but Mm -hmm. I do know a lot about coding because I minored in, um, coding, well, computer science when I was in college. Well, Desdemona, considering that you are a chick and also a Mr. Robot fan, we might be inviting you back to the podcast when the show starts again. (laughs) Oh, so that you would can be incredible. Give us some of your expertise, please. <laughs> yes, and thank you. 
it's oh, mostly awesome. yeah i love it so much it's such a good show it's very true to life because i also do marketing and it's very true to corporate jobs it's true to corporate marketing it's true to public relations mm -hmm. i'm obsessed with the writing it's so good I it mean, really is i i have to be honest with you i had never really um gravitated toward mr robot fan fiction because the show is so well written that um, sometimes when I would try to find something to read, it would be so poorly written that I just couldn't. I just couldn't escape into it because of that. So when I found yours, I was like, this is actually well written. And I don't know if you listen to our podcast, we just felt like the characters came alive, the way that you wrote them. We could actually feel like we could see and hear Angela and he hear and see Elliot. So... Uh, kudos to you, ma'am. Thanks. <laughs> Am I making you blush? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I've had a lot of compliments for the past several weeks now because of my book, because I've been doing like arcs and I've been doing a bunch of just writer stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand what you mean, like trying to find fan fiction. It is a struggle because yes. that's where I got my start, like writing fan fiction. So I, mm -hmm. I read other people's fan fictions, I review it. I have a lot of friends who write fan fiction. I've made a lot of friends through the fan fiction circuit. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of translated into me being like an author, so. That is, that's interesting that there's a fan fiction circuit. Yes. It's just like, tell me about this. Um, it's basically a lot of people, sometimes if you go like on archive of our own or fanfiction.net, but now fanfiction.net's dead for that. So archive of our own is where all of the good writers go. Okay. So you meet people and like, you'll comment on their stories a couple times and then you'll become friends on like social media or Tumblr. Tumblr is usually the place for this fanfiction circuit. And you basically join this group to where you're reviewing other people's stories, you're commenting, you're kudoing you're constantly in contact with these people. You can even request stories. So like there's a big story trade through this circuit. It's great. I love it so much. You know, I, I have a problem with Tumblr because it is like catnip to me and I could just spend hours on Tumblr. So like when I want to be on Tumblr, I will download the app on my phone and then I will immediately delete it. Because if it's just on my phone, I will be on there way too much, way too much. So um, I know Southern Cynic, she is really into fan fiction and she spends a lot of time on, time on Tumblr. So she will usually tell me if there's a good fanfic out there. And like you said, archive of our own, that's usually my preferred place. What about Wattpad? Do you do much with that? Oh, Wattpad. <laughs> um, I do a lot on Wattpad, but I mostly only post original stories on there. Like mm -hmm. I've got a couple things that are like are in the works, stuff that I'm going to publish later this year. I'll put like unedited stuff up there mm -hmm. because Wattpad is basically trash. You know, I have to agree with you because I wasn't aware of Wattpad and I was kind of, I was looking for some stories and like you said, fan fiction Fanfiction.net is okay, but I feel like their filters are difficult to navigate to find what I want. And then I stumbled onto Wattpad, which is very pretty to look at, but I do feel like it's more original work over there than necessarily fanfiction or the fanfiction that I'm looking for. 
Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff on there. I've got like a bunch of followers and I follow a bunch of people on there to like read original stories because I read gay literature mm -hmm. and that's all I read. I won't read anything else unless like someone specifically is like, here's an arc, please read my book, review it. And I'm like, all right. But on Wattpad, it's there's going to be a lot of really bad stories that you have to sift through to find something. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's harder to use than anything else. It might look pretty, but it's very, very difficult to navigate. I agree because I've tried and like, I've, you know, tried to do searches and I just can't either what I'm looking for isn't there or I'm just not searching correctly. I tend to lead, lean towards it's just not there, but um, I've been enjoying Archive of Our Own a lot, but I'm, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, you started in fan fiction, you kind of met more writers, and now this has morphed into you becoming a published author. Have you always loved writing? Yes, always. I used to tell myself stories when I was a kid in my head, like just little things, because I had like a bad childhood growing up. So it was like my escape. And I actually tried to self-publish my first book when I was nine by writing it on construction paper and putting it in my school library. That is so cute. Yeah. I love it. I, and you know, writing is so wonderful. Like my um, middle son, he loves writing. And, um, you know, he will write comics and illustrate them. And he, one of his favorite things to do at lunch is he will write stories for his friends. He'll write like comedic stories for his friends to make them laugh. And it's interesting that you mentioned school because I feel like his, that school is like stifling his writing because they won't allow him to be creative in the way that he wants to be creative. Um, did you ever feel like you were being stifled? Did you feel like the internet has just given you maybe license to explore your writing interests yeah the internet is a great place for writing and anytime that you try to go to like school and stuff for writing they're gonna kind of try to push you into a box and tell you like what you can and can't write that's why i didn't go to school for english and i didn't go to school for like writing or creative writing i went for marketing because mm -hmm. that was something that i needed to know if i wanted to be a writer i needed to know the industry inside and out so i mean i've done a bunch of stuff like journalism, uh, content writing, blogging, mm -hmm. and a whole ton of things on the internet that would like really helped my writing in the long run. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a lot easier to kind of seek it out on your own than go to school for it. That's that understandable. Makes that makes perfect sense. And I, I definitely, the, the fact that you are thinking about what skills do I need in order to be a successful writer? You have the creativity. Um, you have, you know, like uh, the conventions of writing, but all of those other maybe hidden skills like the marketing, knowing how to make a website, all of these other skills that come in handy if you want to, you know, not necessarily have to rely on a publishing house. Now, that is something else I feel like the internet has given people this ability to, I don't have to send my writing to a big publisher to have them accept it. I can do it on my own. Is this something you always thought might be a possibility for you to do self-publishing, to use Amazon to market your material? 
Uh, originally, my plan was to, like, when I was younger, it, it was, like, called vanity publishing. So it always mm -hmm. left, like, a bad taste in people's mouths. Mm -hmm. So I never really thought about self-publishing until one of my friends last year published a few, like, reverse harem books. And she was like, I love your writing. I think that you would be a great candidate for self-publishing. And mm -hmm. we kind of, like, got together and she sat me down and, like, talked me through the process and she's like, this is what it's going to be like. You should start self-publishing, but I'm also querying right now for a different novel that I wrote. So I'm querying with agents for something else mm -hmm. because I actually read a blog recently from a different writer that I'm friends with who said like the most successful writers do both self-publishing and querying through agents to go through publishing houses. And I was like, okay, I feel like this book I'm writing right now is a very good candidate for querying. But this mm -hmm. other story is just kind of like not because there's not really much of a market for it unless you count like the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> And the internet is becoming a very big market. Very, yeah. So could you tell me a little bit about what the process is like to be self-published on Amazon? Um, well, first you have to write the book. Um, that's the hard part, isn't it? Well, no, editing's the hard part. Editing, Writing, it's easy. You're right. You're yep. right. Mm -hmm. I hate uh, to edit. <laughs> I love editing. So I was an, a news editor for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. But um, you write it and then you edit it. But like basically the process for self-publishing is you have to be able to format your book. And unless you, you can also like go on the internet and find people to do it for you. But since I did this book completely by myself, I made the cover, I did all of the blurbs, I, I did the description, the editing, I did this completely on my own. Um, I actually used Microsoft Word mm -hmm. to format it because one of my friends walked me through the process because I was trying to use Scrivener. I do not recommend that to my worst enemy. I have no idea how to use it. I watched like a ton of videos. It, it's so confusing. But like if you do it through Word, it's just so, so much easier because you can just be like, yeah. Because a lot of people know how to use Microsoft Word. So you just mm -hmm. enter page breaks and your images and you're done. And then after that, you upload it to Amazon. It can take anywhere between 24 hours to 72 hours for it to publish mm -hmm. on the site. And then after that, like, well, before that, you should be doing promotion and, like, a bunch of stuff. But after that, it's, like, this boom of promotion. Like, you, you have to be, like, shoving your book in everyone's face. Like, hey, it's up. I wrote it. Have all your friends buy it. You need to be reviewing it. It's just, it's hard. Yeah, that's, that's it to get those reviews. Because I know um, I enjoy my Kindle reader. I Actually, I bought your book for my Kindle. So when I'm looking for, for fiction um, and I'm going on to Amazon, I do kind of look at those reviews to, to help me figure out if I'm going to like something. So after I read your book, I will definitely leave you a review. That is sure. huge, honestly, because it helps um, writers get more visibility mm -hmm. in the Amazon market. Um, and I am a hardcore advocate for reviews. Every book I have ever read, I've left a review on. And it's just like a waiting game now because my book's been out for 13 days. And I'm just like, why does it take everyone so long to read 172 pages? Because it's like so stressful. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. It's like you've birthed this child into the world. Yeah. Um, 
So let's let's talk about your book. The name of your book is Bloom. And when you were on the when you were on the podcast before, you were able to give us a little bit of a description about it. But can you give us a, a little description about Bloom? Um, like talk about the because I have a blurb that I wrote about it on the Amazon page. I can read you that. Sure. So. Holly Juniper had no idea she would fall in love with a monster. Every winter, a mysterious portal appears in her family's barn. Nothing has ever come out of it, and she barely pays it any mind, until a woodland nymph named Nia steps through it and into her life. Holly is vehemently opposed to her sticking around, not wanting her family to play host to a monster, but eventually Nia grows on her in a way she never expected. Over the course of three months, the two fall in love. Despite them both knowing, come spring, Nia will return to her world through the portal, and she can never return. She can never return? Yeah, she's not coming back. Oh, man. <laughs> it's really sad. So, should I get my tissues ready? Uh, probably not. It's not that sad. There's a second book <laughs> in the series, so. Yeah, I know it's the first book in a series. So, are you going to have, like, a common character going through the series? Or will it be, like, what is going to connect them in the series? Holly will be back. Okay. She will be in the second book. I've actually written most of her part already. She's actually a pretty big character in the second book, but the second one does follow a girl named Natalie Yates. So. Okay. So a different central figure, but we might be getting some crossover with some characters. Do you know the title of your second book in the series? It's called Nighthawks. Ooh, Nighthawks. Mm -hmm. Just like the painting. Yeah, it's um central. It's like mostly about kind of um, smugglers mm -hmm. who go to this site and steal artifacts. So Natalie is an archaeologist that just got her first dig ever in Wales. So she runs into these smugglers who are called Nighthawks that are stealing artifacts from her dig site. Uh -huh. And she finds one of them injured. And that's kind of where her story starts. That's really interesting. So yeah. you describe um, Bloom, and so you have Juniper. She's in love with a monster. Um, yeah. You you only write gay fiction. So what genre would you say this is? What does this fall under? Urban fantasy. Urban fantasy. And, like, who are your readers for this? What type of readers do you think would be reading your book? Um, pretty much anyone who's interested in teratophilia or urban fantasy or fantasy in general mm -hmm. or like kind of like paranormal romance as well, because there is like a romance aspect of it. Also, like was, a little. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking of because I was um, describing your book and I was and he said, and my husband, I was talking to him. He's like, what genre is that? I said, I think maybe like paranormal romance is what I was thinking of. But I yeah. Really, yeah, so I think it could fit under that. I have another um, friend in, in, on Twitter who um, does paranormal romance as well. She's tried to get me into it. But I have to say, I started reading while I, today. I, I got it yesterday on my Kindle. And your writing style, you are so able with words to describe things so well. I like... Um, in the first chapter, reader, she's talking about snowfall, and her main character is talking about the snow. Um, and you can, I just felt like that was 
making memories come back for me because like you were describing the silence of the snow and the crunching of the snow under her feet and all of that. And it was just like so vivid for me. Um, and even the realism of um, Juniper, is Juniper, was it, is Aspen a boy or a girl? I'm sorry. Was it her brother who walks into yeah. the barn? Aspen is the brother boy. So when Aspen walks in and sees Holly, the first thing he says is, I'm going to tell mom. And I just bust out laughing because that's just so realistic. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I have siblings. So like, I, was like, I had them in mind when I was writing this. I was just like, I know my little brother was a tattletale when we were kids. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like no questions, just like I'm gonna tell mom. I'm like that is perfect, but I'm I'm excited to read more. Like you said, 172 pages. I'm a pretty quick reader. Like I feel like you could read this definitely in a day if you weren't bothered. Yeah, by people bothering you. So I mean, my, personally, I've read it through about 10 to 15 times. So oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. and it's a novella. Um, it's short. Oh, it a, so that's, you know, short enough a novella. Yeah. I'm really excited about this. And I hope that, you know, being on the podcast will head people your way. Like you said, you can get it on Amazon and you can get it as a Kindle. Um, people who are members of Kindle Unlimited, I believe they can get it for free. Is that correct? Yes. Everyone that has Kindle Unlimited can read this for free. And then you can also get it as a paperback as well. Yes. Nice. For those people who like to touch the book and smell the ink in the pages. That's awesome. Yeah. The paperback is gorgeous. I actually have like five of them laying around my apartment right now. I love the cover of your book. So did you, you said you designed that. Yeah. I hand drew it. You hand drew that. Mm -hmm. You were just full of talent. What else it, can you do? What else can you do, Desdemona? Uh, Lots of things. I made my own website. That's all me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really good at writing blogs because I did that professionally. I'm great at editing, cover design, graphic design, podcast editing, video editing. Um, oh, God, I can just do a lot of stuff. Like, I'm super good at social media. What, what? <laughs> I, got, I got really good at it because I used to work for Facebook. Um, I used to also work for the visitor center in rock hill and i did oh my gosh are them. you serious i used to live like 45 minutes from rock hill yeah i used to live on the east coast um i went to school there in oh, rock hill south yeah. carolina and now i live in san francisco very different yeah it is but i grew up in seattle so i mean it's still different from seattle but north mm -hmm. northern california is a lot closer to seattle than South Carolina. So. Then Rock Hill, South Carolina. That's like the yeah. diagonal. Maybe if you hit that diagonal or something. Yeah, yeah. that is awesome. You've been like lots of places. You can do lots of things. Um, maybe you shouldn't have told me you have all these skills because I might be pestering you. That happens so much because I also walk dogs here in San Francisco uh -huh. to like get out and like see the city. I like walking. I like dogs. I don't have any dogs, but I do have two cats. Um, and a lot of people will like get to talking with me and they're just like, oh my God, you know how to do all of this stuff. And they're like, I want your number. So I also do like social media consulting on the side. I do a bunch of stuff. You sound like a busy woman. 
Very. I have no time to do anything, and I don't even know why I keep taking other stuff on. You know, you're creative. You want to let your creative juices flow. I know what I wanted to ask you. So earlier you said you only write gay fiction, you only read gay fiction. Why? Tell us why. Um, when I was growing up, um, my parents were super religious. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they didn't allow us to watch anything that had any gay characters in it. And growing up as somebody who is legitimately gay, <laughs> other than like, I'm bisexual, I have a boyfriend. But it was so hard for me to find representation and mm-hmm. like, all of these books. And all the books in my school library were just like so tragic, like ending in suicide or like ending in like horrible things with like them, like, I don't know, going to gay camp and being forced into being yeah. straight. And that's happened to me. I've been to gay camp. My parents tried to shock therapy me into being straight. And I'm just like, Jesus. So now it's huge for me to have representation for like people who are in the LGBT community. So I personally want to only write gay fiction for that reason. And my nobody in my books are tragic. There's no tragic gays. Everybody's really happy. Like Bloom does have kind of a sad ending, but you knew it was coming. You're fine. Okay. I think that's important because representation is important. Everyone deserves to see themselves everywhere, you know, on TV and books. You need to feel like you're important and that there are other people like you. So, you know, I think that's commendable. You yeah. know, I, that book, that movie, um, I know I'm going to get the, the, the title wrong. Is it called Love, Simon? Something about Simon? Oh, yeah. The What's Simon it? movie. I haven't seen that yet, but I, I tried to read the book. It's on my list. I have like a thousand other books to read, but I'm really excited to read it. But, but I just yeah. wanted to, you know, when the movie came out, someone tweeted that, um, do we need this movie? Does yeah. the, do gay teens need this movie? Like, everything is great for them. So I was kind of, you know, surprised by that. Like, why would you not need this movie? You know? Yeah. I actually kind of experienced that a lot with like my friends who are straight and they're kind of like, you know, they're straight and white and they're in that kind of like little bubble where they only want to read straight, like straight white characters. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, why do you only write gay fiction? Like, why are most of your characters transgender? Like, isn't that already a thing? And I'm like, there's not enough. Like, you're in your straight white bubble. There's not enough, like, POC characters. There's not enough female characters. There's not enough, like, well-written female characters to the point where they're not only just, like, stuck there for romance or part of, like, Mm -hmm. some dude's fantasy. There's not enough. So yes, we do need more gay fiction and we need more POC characters. We need more female characters who are like well-written and like have their own personalities outside of a relationship. And that's kind of what I'm pushing with my books. Speaking about female characters, that's one of the things I like about Mr. Robot. Yes. (laughs) We come full circle because, you know, Season one, it felt like we've learned a lot about Elliot. I really liked in season two and season three where we would have these episodes and you barely saw Elliot, but we saw these strong female characters who are nuanced and who are layered and aren't just there for him. 
who have their own things going on. Like Angela is so effing complex. Like I still haven't figured her out um, yet. So you're absolutely right. And one of my friends, um, I can't remember who said it. She watched Mr. Robot and she told me, first of all, that she didn't like it, gasped. And then she told me she didn't like any of the women on the show. And I was like, Beyonce gasped. Oh my God. I know. I was like, I couldn't even, you know, like converse with her after that. Like, I feel like we need to have like a deep heart to heart conversation about exactly what her problem is. Yeah. Like my favorite character is Dom right now. It used Mm -hmm. to be Darlene. Darlene broke my heart. But, like, I'm super into all of the female characters. I'm just, like, Elliot who? 90% of the time at this point. I'm just, like, take your meds. Get a life. I feel like we're going to get more Dom in season four. I'm just feeling like what they did to her character at the, the end of season three, the choices she had to make, being forced to kind of go against her moral code, is going to come out in season four. And I am so totally here for it. That so totally broke my heart. I was like, dumb. Cause like originally I hated her. I was just like, get out of my life. Yeah. When she <laughs> on, I was like, who is this? And then like, she started growing on me. I feel like that's kind of what all the female characters did because I hated mm-hmm. Angela in the beginning too. And now I'm just like, Angela is so badass. I want to be her. She really is. She really People underestimate, we talk about this on our, pat, our podcast, that people underestimate Angela and Angela always rises. She always gets what done, you know, in her Angela way. And I love her for it. Like in season, I think season two, when she was trying to take down Evil Core and she almost, you know, succeeded because she was able to get all that information. She was able to go to the, um, to report the company. And in the end she didn't, but she was able to do that on her own. She didn't compromise anyone else in her plans. Unlike Elliot who compromised so many people with his hat. So it's like people are sleeping on Angela. She's doing some, she's putting work in. Yeah, I agree with 100%. Like, it, when she came out in, like, season two, with all of this just, like, bombarding Ecor, and, like, I was like, damn, Angela! She, and then she went crazy. It was just, she's had a hard time. She has. Like, my one of my favorite scenes in season three was the scene where Angela's on one side of the door and Elliot's on the other side of the door and he's talking to her. It's on Don't Delete Me is the episode when Elliot is talking to Angela about when they were kids and they would make these wishes. And God, she, Portia just acted that scene beautifully. Just the crying, but the laughing through the tears, the emotion. Oh, I might have to go watch that episode. I love that scene. Like, I love all of the cinematography for Mr. Robot. Like, I'm obsessed with it. And that is one of the most beautifully shot scenes in the entire series, in my opinion. Other than the one where Dom is talking to White Rose, like in the clocks. Oh, yes. 
And it's so, that scene is so beautiful. And like, if you know that like clocks mean death in Chinese culture, it just resonates with you. Like after that, they had like the whole shootout scene. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. Cause it was so just well done. I'm obsessed with that whole part of the show. That's when I started liking Dom as a character. Because during that scene, I was literally drooling over like how beautiful it was. I was like, oh, so good. And that whole like clocks and death thing, I was I was completely out of my mind at that point. I'm like, oh my God, like shouting. My boyfriend had to pause it. I'm completely out of my mind that you just told me that. Yeah. Because now that whole scene like just has so much more. Else. Else. It means something yeah. else. This show is just so it's on so many levels. It is on so many levels. Yeah, and there's so much foreshadowing in it if you can catch it. There's mm-hmm. like a whole like community on Reddit that actually goes through and like catches like all of the Easter eggs from the episodes. Yeah. So you can yeah. like go back and read it after every episode. I obsessively read it during the season so I can find out everything that I missed because there's so much in the show that you can miss if you just you don't pay attention. I know, like this this guy, you know, I was telling him that I podcast about Mr. Robot and he hadn't watched it. And he said, Hey, I, I tried to watch Mr. Robot. It's like I really didn't like it. I said, Okay, were you just sitting there and watching it or were you doing other things at the same time? He's like, Oh, I was doing other stuff. I said, You can't watch Mr. Robot like that. Mr. Robot is a show that you have to give 110% of your attention. You need to watch the episode twice. You have to be committed to the show. It can't be a, oh, I'm just going to glance up every now and then. You're going to miss like 90% of the stuff if you're watching it that way. I totally understand. When Mr. Robot comes on, when we sit down to watch it, I turn off my computer. I turn off my phone. I like put it on silent because I need to constantly be looking at that show. I love it so much that I give it all of my attention, which I don't do where for any other show other than my absolute favorite show of all time, which is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I've actually seen <laughs> every episode of that show almost 10 times now. Love it. But I do this. I, I give Mr. Robot the same courtesy because it's like you have to be watching it or you're yeah. just not going to get it. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I find the fact that um, I'm friends with Grant Chang, who plays Grant. and um, we interviewed him at the end of season three and he was talking about the fact that he and BD Wong watch the show together every week and they are just like us. They think, you know, like, Oh my God, it went by so fast. They're being shocked along with us, even though, I mean, like they're acting in the show, they've read the scripts, but still for them being viewers, they're just as enthralled as we are, which I think is a testament to, you know, the quality of the writing, the cinematography, the sound, the music, just, we could talk about this. <laughs> I know. I love this show so much. It's so well done. I follow all of the actors and Sam Esmail on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And also Rachel Bloom, who wrote Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, is friends with Sam Esmail. So I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh, when two fandoms collide. Don't you I love know. that? I was so excited to see that they were friends on Twitter. And I'm like, this is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> I get really obsessed with, like, obsessive about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Mr. Robot because they are the only two shows that I give my full attention to. 
I have never watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I feel bad about that because I do watch Jane the Virgin, which is on like right after it. Yeah, Jane the Virgin is a great show. Like, I love that show so much. I do too. I do too. Talk about needed representation. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love how they um, treat um, Jane's abuela, that they let her speak Spanish, that they're not forcing her to love, you know, speak English or learn English or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's important for um, people to see that, that it's okay, you know. Um, just yeah, so my, much. my boyfriend is Hispanic, so his mom speaks Spanish at home. Mm-hmm. And then nobody even says anything about it. 90% of the time, I have no idea what she's saying because I learned French because my, my parent, my mom is from France. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yep, good job. No idea what's going on. <laughs> but I learned Spanish because of her, like a lot of it. I'm I sure. I'm sure. Here to California where everybody speaks Spanish. Yeah, that's and I'm true. Like, Oh my God, I know Spanish now. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> man, that's the power of media and the power of the internet. And man, I'm so glad that um, we were able to have you on. I'm definitely going to be hitting you up once season four starts to come on and give us your expertise so you can gush with the rest of the ladies. Um, and I do believe to- I see on Twitter that you write smut as well. Is there smut in this book? Yes, chapter six. Oh, so I and can just seven. I can just go forward to some smut because we do, um, you know, we describe our Mister Robot podcast as hashtag filthy and hashtag wholesome. Um, so Southern Cynic and I do like to go there sometimes. So I think you know, if you can write smut, you can talk smut, and we can get filthy on the podcast. Yeah, I do write a lot of smut. Like, most of my actual recent smut stories are for Star Wars. Go with figure. ships? With ships, ma'am? Raylo and Kylux. Okay. I'm going to have to add you to um, Southern Cynic's DM group that is called Smut Wars. And <laughs> Let's talk about Star Wars um, filth. So if you have time and you're on the Twitter, so you want to. I'm constantly um, on Twitter. I live on it. Okay. They're all into Kylux. They might um, die if you talk Raylo there, but they're all into Kylux. Listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to find out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wrote a lot of like really weird kink stuff for Kylux and Raylo, so. Oh my gosh, they will love you there. They will like bow down to you. I mean, Southern Cynic is great at, you know, the the visual she adds to that DM group is lush worthy. But oh um, amazing. I love art. And oh like yeah. Art the porn art. I don't I'm weird. I'm just like, show me all of your weird porn drawings. Let's do this. You definitely need to be in that DM group, honey. Yeah. We found a place for you. <laughs> Yeah. I look a lot. Of, I look at a lot of monster porn too. My girlfriend actually draws a ton of monster porn. I'm in love with all of her art. That is going to have to be something you introduce our group to because I am unfamiliar. Oh, tell yeah. me what is reverse harem? You mentioned that. I meant to ask oh, you. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like this whole new subgenre of new adult where it's the it's a woman with several boyfriends. Okay, can I tell you what? 
I am a happily married woman, but that is like a thing for me. Like I want just me. I want several gentlemen and I just want the folk. I'm like selfish. Like I just want it to be all about me. I don't need them to interact at all. I just need it to be all about me and my pleasure and what I like. Yeah, you'll probably like Lucy Smoke then. She's actually one of my friends. We've known each other since college and she writes some pretty good reverse harem. And where can I find this? Uh, Amazon. Okay. Lucy she wrote um, Now or Never, the Iris mm-hmm. Boys series. And the second book is actually coming out. What day is it? It's Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thank God. I need something good to read. <laughs> she so offered to be. Yeah, she offered to give me an arc of it, but I was like, no, let me buy your book. I'll pre-order it so I can help you reach reach your pre-order, like, minimum. So I had That's to wait. Awesome. Like everyone so tell, else. Us the, tell us the title of her new book. It's called, um, shit, hold on, let me go to her website. I completely forgot the title of the second one, but the first one is called Now or Never. Mm-hmm. The second one is called, oh my God, update your website, Lucy. Power and choice. Power and ooh, power and choice. And her name is Lucy Smoke. So yes. listeners, we have given you lots of food for thought. We've given you lots of things to read. We've given you a couple new authors or authoresses. Is that appropriate? Authoresses? Is that I don't even know. I just <laughs> I have no idea. Author, writer, person who writes books. Person who writes books. Yeah. Um, so you're welcome for that. So please go to Amazon and check out Desdemona Wren. Desdemona, tell folks where they can find you. You're all over social media. I am. You can find all of my social media on my website, which is DesdemonaWren.com. But I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. And I'm on Instagram and Goodreads. Please follow yeah. me on Goodreads. All right. Follow her, y'all. And she's on Tumblr. Yeah, I do also have a Tumblr, but it's linked at the top of my website as blog. So I post blog posts about like what it's like to publish, what the making of Bloom, like playlists for my books. I I publish stuff every day. I even do reviews of books that I like and I publish them to my blog. Awesome. So she's everywhere. She's multi-talented. She's creative. She's amazing. And she's a Mr. Robot fan. So Desdemona, thank you for visiting the podcast and we will definitely have you back awesome so listeners remember that we are part of the brothers comics family of podcasts so please check us out you can find us on soundcloud stitcher apple itunes please 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 subscribe and just like desdemona loves a review hey we love a review too um we will see you soon good night